if if I manage just for myself in my kitchen uh, <laughs> in the middle of the night with a, with a glass of whiskey to improvise a little bit just for myself mm. and like th three seconds or ten seconds turn out really nice yeah. and um, this is such a feeling of liberty and and uh, satisfaction somehow yeah. for me one of the most pure feelings uh, of music making I can get. Hello and welcome to the Wondertello podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I am here today with the extraordinary successful cellist Eckhard Runge. He is one of the founding members of the Artemis Quartet, an arranger and an extremely diversified musician, which he proves with the various CD releases through different genres. His most recent recording with the Radio Symphonie Orchester Berlin, uh, Berlin is of the cello concertos from Kapustin and Schnittke. And it's a great pleasure to be here with you. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Vasily. Okay. Uh, thank you for having me, Vasily. Yeah, yeah. No, you're welcome. So um The recording, actually, from Kapustin, the cello concerto, it's the first uh, recording ever made, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's it's a miracle that this piece has had not been recorded yet. Um, the second cello concerto, I think it's Opus 103, has been recorded uh, a couple of times already. Hmm. Um, and when I went to Moscow back in 2006 to visit Nikolai Kapustin, and um, he gave me this this piece and he already told me it hadn't been recorded yet so i uh you know i tried to realize it but it wasn't easy next to the quartet and next to everything i had to do mm. and also to learn it, it's really very difficult and to find an orchestra that wants to and can play it so it took really a long long time and it was a really heartfelt project um and all the more a miracle that it hadn't been done uh, until really uh, 20 2020 so what again 2006 You have been there. Yeah. 2006. Yeah. yeah, that's really unbelievable because Kapustin yeah. is he's a well known, well known composer in the, in the. And at that time, he wasn't that well known. Mm -hmm. um, it changed a lot. And I said, I would say the last uh, five to six years, it changed significantly. Mm. But when we got the music, it wasn't even printed, it, it was handwritten. Uh, you know, all the pieces we recorded, uh, the sonata and the three pieces, they, we have them in handwritten wow. versions and we, we played them be before they were published. So wow. it's great that he got the Schott Verlag, the, you know, yeah. publishing by Schott. Um, that also, uh, contributed a lot yeah. to, to his becoming, uh, you know, known to a status which he really deserves. Mm, right and and you don't have issues to to read sometimes because sometimes handwritten notes can be <laughs> that's a great question you won't believe it i mean if you see kapustin's handwriting it looks like printed wow he's so accurate wow oops i'm sorry <laughs> i lost <laughs> i lost you <laughs> i lost you you didn't fall out of my mind you fall, fell out of my ear yeah. so um if you see kapustin's handwriting it's like a print <clears throat> so he's very very precise and he he draws the 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 necks of the uh 
notes of with the with the with the liner. And I was at first I thought it was printed, but then a forte looked a little bit different than another forte. So I was wondering, this is a really weird printing machine because it's so random. But then I found out, no, no, it's not printed, it's his handwriting. So wow. it was very, very well readable, but that didn't mean that it was easy to play. <laughs> wow. Then then it's actually uh, maybe a, a shame actually that they um, printing uh, they have now a printed version that they if it's such in a in a in a clear written uh, he wrote it such a clearness way that it would be beautiful to also have. Absolutely, I think they could publish it uh, in a in a uh, like a facsimile of his handwriting, yeah. and also the articulation, everything, every dot, every slur, every you know, um, every kyle, every articulation, every accent is so clearly notated. So you really always exactly can understand what he means, yeah. which doesn't mean automatically that you know how it should groove because he doesn't write how it should groove. He, he, you know, he writes very little about the expression and about yes. the different types of jazz styles he includes into his music. Like if it's like a bebop style or like a, uh, you know, like a more old fashioned Dixieland or whatever he, he, he takes his inspiration from, you have to kind of detect yourself in what way to groove this music. Right. It's, It's funny. So I I, I studied jazz, um, uh, jazz cello. But Stefan Braun, maybe you, you know him. Oh, of course, jazz, I admire jazz. him. And yeah, he's, yeah, he's a great, great, yeah. awesome cellist. Yeah. And so I I know a little bit about um, groove and how to play play uh, on the cello um, more that jazz style. And one thing thing what is really uh, important to keep in mind is that when you play jazz music. Every note is not um, equal, you know. You play like you do. That it's really important to have this different. And in classical music, we are so used to play. Every note is like equal, and and yes and no. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so um, yeah. I, but I, I love, I love so much the, the music from Kapustin because it's. I feel like the music is something between, between jazz, but also classical music. Maybe you know what I'm, I mean. Like, I totally, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's so elaborate. I mean, Kapustin's music is so highly complex, and 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 uh, there it's it's uh, you know contrapuntal and it's motivic and it's like very elaborate. And Kapustin himself uh, always didn't like his music to be called jazz. I think it's rather classical music, yeah. but his inspiration is uh, the idiom of, of jazz, but not only jazz. I mean, it's like blues, it's rock. Mm. Uh, there, there's so much in his music. You can't just reduce it to jazz. And, yeah. and, um, what I, what I thought it was very interesting, what you just were talking about, about, about like, you know, the, the way jazz is, um, articulated in a, in a varied way. I think classical music should be articulated much more like that because in the end of the day, it's rhetoric. It's like the voice. It's like when you speak, you don't also don't speak like a machine and, 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 uh, speak at the same level of notes. But of course, if you want to point out something, you stress it. Mm. And then you make a pause and you stress 
another part, you know. So if yeah. you want people to listen to you, I think it's very important. You can learn that from great speakers or singers. They always have this unexpected timing in, the, in their in their articulation, and um, this is something even like with Mozart. If you would take Mozart, uh, known as a very classical composer, but I think his music is so operatic, is so spoken, so much thought from the word and from the diction and it, it also transports into his string quartets and so i think for me it's it was it's so great to learn from jazz musicians yes 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 for me it was also i mean uh, I, i envy that i wish i could i could do it i it's for another life i'm gonna really uh, one day i'm gonna start learning that because that's something i really dream of yeah. and uh, i already started a little bit but i'm a way Uh, 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 I'm light years away of being able to do that, but I, I admire that so much. And Stefan Braun is, is, is a true master. Right. Totally. Totally. Is for me is the only, yeah, jazz cellist. There are not many out there, but, uh, if you look closer than Stefan Braun is the only jazz cellist you can take really seriously. Like, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, also his timing, so an unbelievable, um, uh, feeling for, for timing, for, um, um, yeah, rhythm. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's incredible. what it's about. I mean, that's that's what it's about. It's so funny because also in classical music, I think that's so essential. You can play totally out of tune, mm. but if you have a good timing, the audience will understand what you want to say. Mm. You can play perfectly in tune, but with a bad timing, no one will get the message. They won't even understand what you're saying. Mm. So in the priority of of practicing, I think timing is way up high, way up high. And intonation might come at position 17 or so. Yes, yes. Intonation, <laughs> intonation is overrated. I knew it. <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little bit, but, but you know, I think it's, it's, it really is overrated. And, yeah. and timing is underrated. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yes. So um, I'm just curious. So um, it's, a, of course, you... Uh, Now the, the the founders of the Artemis Quartet, uh, they are not anymore there. So uh, it's now a completely uh, new uh, um, quartet. And um, maybe you can share some 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 stories like uh, all that time uh, traveling around. Maybe I don't know how many concerts you have. Maybe 100 or even 200 uh, per year. Um, like, uh, what's that like? No, I mean, we didn't do 200 concerts a year. We weren't that crazy. Mm. I mean, uh, I know there are quartets that, that did that or do that, but we always try to keep it within reason. Um, that was very important to us from the very beginning. Uh, I think in our most busy times, we were around 100 concerts per year, which already is really a lot. Mm. And that was before the time, for example, that I had a family because that's, I don't yeah. think it's really possible to do that with yeah. a family. But, um, in any case, it, yeah, it was great. It was very intense. Um, it's, if you're 26, 27, you don't care about that. I, I loved it. Uh, you know, my apartment was more a storage room than, a, than an apartment, but, um, it was very intense. I think, uh, being on tour with a quartet is on the one hand great because you always have company. You, you, you know, you have your buddies with you and, uh, that's nice. You can go out after concerts for a drink if you want to or not. We were always pretty free and liberal with our social obligations. Yeah. Um, 
you know, <laughs> and we were pretty um, democratic uh, to say also privately, we, we cared a lot, a lot, we cared a lot about the individual value of each member artistically in, in, in the score, uh, um, but also, you know, in a personal way. So if, you know, someone didn't want to come along, it was always totally fine without even justifying this. Mm. And uh, on the other hand, it's also very strenuous, very intense, because it's like you're always traveling with the same people. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, you know each other so well. And of course, if, if you have arguments and you take these arguments on tour, it's, it's, always, it's always emotionally very um, intense, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. Uh, but uh, somehow, yeah, somehow we managed. I mean, we had also different lineups throughout the years and uh, they all had a different chemistry and the chemistry also was different when you're touring. And of course, we were also in different age lines. When we were very young, we started touring more in Germany with this Coyote car program. So we basically knew every train station in Germany and uh, <laughs> were touring yeah, yeah. the German province, but it was a great time. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then it started to become a little more international. And um, that also changes uh, the way you're, you're on the road, you know, Everyone has their own um, preference. One will want to um, come early to an hotel to sleep, to rest before the concert. And the other one wants to travel late uh, and come right before the rehearsal. You know, so I think uh, it's always important to, to, to respect the, the other one's way of living in a quartet. Uh, it's like, yes. like, in a, you know, like in a, in a partnership, basically. Yeah, it's really like the partnership, right? Yeah, uh, I think the most concert ones I had maybe were 40 in a year. So I can only imagine, <laughs> I cannot imagine how it, how it is like ha to have a hundred. Uh, so, so um, yeah, that's, that's really intense. And any, any s stories you still remember, like where you nearly <laughs> came too late to the concert or something? <laughs> oh my God, there's so many. Um, Yeah, sure. I mean, I remember one, for example, we played in the United States. We always had our annual America tour, um, which of all times was usually in February. I don't recommend that as a good time to play in the States because there are usually blizzards and the weather is really tough and the presenters want you to. <laughs> I have a little problem with my earbuds. <laughs> so the presenters want you to be there early, ending up that you always have to take a flight uh, at seven o'clock in the morning, which means you have to get up at five. So that's really pretty strenuous. But other than that, um, we played in it. I remember we played a concert in New York and the next concert was in a place called Schenectady, which is upstate New York. And we had to take a train, but there was a blizzard in the night. And when I woke up the next morning, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. New York was like covered by two meters of snow. Oh, there, yeah. there was no way we could get to that train station uh, and they, they were starting already to clean the streets and everything. Yeah. And But the trains also weren't really going. So we, we managed to come to Penn Station. And uh, of course, there was no way to get to that concert, which was a Sunday afternoon concert at three or so. Mm. Um, so we came an hour too late, um, but the audience waited. <laughs> It was really so waited. sweet. Yeah. They were still there. So we walked in <clears throat> this beautiful church with our suitcases, our instruments, 
with our suitcases and our instruments and uh, walked through the full audience, brought our stuff down and, and went right on stage from basically from the train. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, these are things that, that can happen yeah. when you're on tour all the time. And uh, I, I could tell you a hundred more stories. One I, I really love is the one with the taxi driver in Naples. If you have the time, I'm happy yeah, to Yeah, we it. have all the time. Okay. Well, at that time, <clears throat> it was back in the early 2000s, I had a little pocket computer called Psion. It's a, it's a brand that didn't, doesn't exist anymore. And it was very advanced. It was like a, a tiny laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was great. It already had Bluetooth. So you had internet connection and all that stuff. So basically I had all my information in that thing. And, uh, I had it in my little handbag with, with others. I think even my scores and, oh my God. So we went to the train station in, uh, Naples and I got out of the taxi, went to the train station. And I, I realized I had forgotten my handbag in the taxi mm. in Naples. And we were supposed to go to Siena. And uh, so it was like a disaster. Uh, Naples is a huge city. And I think there are some 10,000 taxis in Naples. Yeah. And I had no number of the taxi driver. I couldn't, I, I had not, nothing. So I went out to the taxi stand and I, I talked to the taxi drivers there. And they told me, Much a problema, you know, don't worry, we'll take care of it. When did you go where? So they were all, they saw me that, that I'm a musician and they wanted to help me. It's so, so, so cute. Like the, the South Italians, they, they just love music. And yeah. my cello was like such a key for them to be nice to me, you know? Yeah. And, um, so, uh, and I was, of course, a little terrified because, uh, in the hotel, you always get warned that, that you should be careful with pickpockets and stuff like this. And, mm. and, And here I was experiencing the total opposite. So there was this unbelievably charming taxi drivers that g- gathered around me in a group mm. and said they take care of it. And so we could reconstruct a little bit at what time a taxi had been call- called to the specific hotel we were staying in. And, and I, of course, I missed my train, but some 40 minutes later, a little Fiat came by, which was the car I had t- taken. And the taxi driver got out and gave me my bag. Wow. Yeah. And I said, Oh my God, you saved, you saved me. I mean, you saved the tour. My little computer was in there, all my tickets, my music, everything. And I said, what, what, what can I give you? I mean, at least the, the amount of the driving here. I mean, you know, come on. And he said, no, I don't want any money. Like he was like, you know, this was this honor thing of Southern wow. Italy. Yeah. So I think if you would report this case to the police, you will never see your bag again. Yeah. But if they take care of it with this, with this love and this honor and you say, look, we're, we're all, you know, we're all in the same situation and, and we want to help you. We love music. So then things start to work and it was, it was so cute. All these guys that were there and, and they were all um, passionate about this, uh, this, this thing happening. And, you know, it really, um made me feel very very well every time i come to naples i I think of this story and i just love this place (laughs) yeah that's a really nice nice story yeah to hear so um how's the situation now for you with with of course uh, um so we are in the middle of corona of the pandemic uh in, in march and and so the last year how uh was it for you 
Well, I guess uh, like for any musician, uh, uh, freelance musician, it's 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 a it's not a nice situation. It's really bad, and of course, it's uh, what should I say? It 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 feels uh, weird, of course, not to be able to play uh, live concerts. I think the last real live concert I did was uh, one year ago, and then in the in the summer break, when when the first lockdown came to a Pause. We had some concerts in this Corona mm. setting with limited audience and without mm. intermission. All these things. I thought it was very creative the way the presenters and also the artists reacted to to, to making things happen again. And then, then came the second lockdown, so I haven't been playing any concerts since October, I think now. Mm. And um, yeah, it's it's um, it's a tough situation. I really must say that I miss it so much. Mm. Um, having an audience, having this live feeling. Um, we created these balcony concerts here in our little courtyard mm. where we could play at least for a tiny community on their balconies. Mm. First, we even played, I mean, when I say we, I, I'm, I mean Jacques Amon and me, my, my piano partner, mm. because he lives in my same complex, in the same court. So ah, okay. we could play from two different balconies. Ah, so, so he have, he, he's moving his uh, piano, yeah. his grand piano out? Yeah, we, we did it together. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. on the balcony. And you, on were the balcony. Not, you were not worried about the uh, um, uh, weight? No, no, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> and, and in the first lockdown, we even played from two different balconies and um, we couldn't see each other. But, uh, you know, it, it, it worked and it was great. So we really experienced how much the people were grateful for this live, um, how do you say, live moment. Hmm. You know, experiencing together as a community of listeners in the same moment something is played that, that creates something so different than any hmm. kind of a stream, any kind of digital format. Right. Um, so, you know, that, that was our answer to this dilemma. And I think, I think it's so beautiful to see how many people create their own reaction to hmm. what's going on. You know, now I started a, initiative on an online platform called Patreon, which is which is really nice because you can interact with an audience. You can, you know, it's not just a one-way road like a stream where you just play into a camera and you have no idea who's listening. Mm. And I like it to be interactive. So it's a little backstage feeling on this on this platform, which which I really like. And I think the creativity is there. People are 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 great and very stoic. I admire so many musicians, how they, they cope with it. And I think many more are in a really worse situation than me. Mm. Because, uh, you know, if you, if you're younger, you start a career and you're just about to, to start your, your concerts and then everything breaks away. And yeah. also the, the, the um, infrastructure that you need breaks away. Right. It's, it's, and the whole social aspect. When I was a student, I might, I mean, oh dear. The best thing about my studies was getting together with people yeah. and meeting up and being free and have, being able to go wherever I want. And, um, you know, I think this is far worse. Um, also, when you lose a year of studying, uh, I can see it with my students now. Um, I was fortunate to be able to teach in presence the last semester, but not the summer semester of the first lockdown. Mm. And so I could really see the difference between these two ways of one semester being online only and the other semester being let's say 
a little bit online, but mostly in presence. And I can feel how, how important it is f- for the students to really, you know, have this present yeah. uh, coaching. And it's so different. I mean, mm. it also works on Zoom. It does work, but it's very limited. And as a student, I, 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 you know, I can really feel with them. I know it must, it must be really hard not, not to have this whole social aspect, mm. which is so important as a student. I mean, I enjoyed it so much. And yeah. if I think back to my studies, this was the best part of it. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, but eventually it's a disaster. And I'm, I'm, I'm also a little uh, disappointed about, about Germany because I always thought we were a country where the culture, um, has a real high status. And now we see that it doesn't, um, at least not politically. Mm. And I, I'm sure the people, you know, they, they, they want music. They love music. There are many, uh, music lovers and audiences here, but I really did think that the, the government would, um, place culture on a, on some kind of a level of attention, which they absolutely didn't do. And this was, um, you know, this was something that struck me in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Yeah. I, I, I could feel, a lot of solidarity among people, especially in the first lockdown. That was also, in a way, it was nice. Uh, everyone was supporting each other. And, um, you know, but now you learn the lesson that you really have to take care of the things yourself. Mm. Yeah. And um, I must say that that's a little disappointing. Yeah. But yeah. on the other hand, um, there are so many wonderful initiatives and and, you know, s- some of the relationships I had to people got so much more intense through the pandemic. And y- you, you know, you know whom you can really trust and you know, uh, somehow, I don't know, it, it's, it opened my eyes hmm. also in, in a certain way. I don't want to say that it has its good sides because I don't have, yeah. I don't think a pandemic has its good sides. Not yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, but, but in a certain way, I do hope that once this is over or once, you know, the disastrous part of this is over, we also get into a, a mode that um, might learn a little bit out of this. For example, the excessive traveling, uh, always, you know, going from A to B with a plane, uh, it doesn't really have to be. And, and I think yes. you can mm. become more aware of certain things, of, of certain values. And um, I would really wish that we just don't go back to business as usual uh, when this is over, That, mm. but that we manage to, to take a little bit out of it, uh, mm. whatever it may be. But all in all, I came to the conclusion that I'm against the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, don't really we like we all hope it. that twenty one will be a better a better year for everybody. So. At least after the summer. Yeah, but would be would be awesome. Awesome. Yes, really. So um what I love love so much about you is um you're a cellist who really likes to um experiment to 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 really to to do something new not not recording again and again something what is already out there and uh, so for example i love your cities where you 
have include jazz, tango styles, and and also film music. You so you arrange a lot of music, and um, I'm just waiting for it. Do you uh, think oh, maybe also to to compose some music? <laughs> oh my God, I would love to. Um, maybe, maybe it will come. But so far, I haven't really. Um, had the courage to do it and I have mm. really a lot of respect for that that's something totally different than arranging um, mm. because uh, it's like creating something from nothing and mm. arranging is just casting another light on something that already exists to create a new perspective of something that already exists uh, that that was but something I, re I really love about arranging mm. that is my total passion um, but composing I The little attempts I did, I wasn't at all happy with. Okay. So I decided to, not, to, not. to not really do that. And yeah. I, I think it's something you really have to put your whole soul into. Mm. At least I would probably many. There are some geniuses that can do it next to being an instrumentalist, mm. but uh, I don't consider myself that. And I, I, I don't think I could. Yeah. Yes, yeah, funny that you said uh, how you talked about arranging. I would probably say that it's the same with composing in some way because uh, it's not like that. It's, it's coming from it's not coming from nothing. Like uh, you have always a kind of inspiration, or um, and you just channel differently, or you uh, you listen to some composition. Which is for uh, yeah from a different genre of jazz or something, and then you take that and make it more classical, and then changing the chords and and the melody, and so it, I think it just maybe just you also arrange music, but you just do it more. You know, you uh, mm -hmm. you change the melody, you you adjust the the chords. Uh, Uh, so some some composers even say like uh, composition com to compose is quite similar to to arrange music. That's an interesting way of seeing it. Maybe I should try just to take uh, you know bits and pieces and, and yeah. put them together in another way. Um, yeah, I would maybe love a little bit like like Schnitke yeah. did, uh, you know, yes. Uh, yes. in a certain way. But um, I always consider a composer to being in front of a white piece of paper. And then you yeah. have to write your first note. <laughs> yeah. For a certain reason, it, 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 it stresses me out. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. have that, that idea. I understand. So, but, um, so happily we can, um, there is coming out a new uh, CD from you. So please talk about it. Uh, about the new CD. That's another, uh, very long, um, heartfelt <laughs> heart project. Yeah. Um, um, called uh, Revolutionary Icons, and it's together with Jack, um, and uh, we are juxtaposing music by Beethoven um, to music of other revolutionary icons, so from different genres, rock, pop, jazz, like composers everyone knows, artists everyone knows, but in their time they were also provocative, they also pushed the borders very hard, and they were also controversial like Jimi Hendrix, like Frank Zappa, mm. like David Bowie. Um, and we also include Amy Winehouse, whom we love so much, yeah. and uh, and Stevie Wonder. And uh, then we had the, a beautiful song by, um, by the Beatles, by Lennon McCartney, 
Um, but we were not allowed to publish it. So that's a real pity. <laughs> but it was great. <laughs> and on a rugby. But in any case, um, that's the idea of that CD. And uh, it has been such a long-term project. Um, so we're really happy to realize it now. And we just edited it and it's going to come out uh, yeah. this spring. So when exactly will it come, come out? The publishing date of the release day is, I think, May 28th. 28th. Okay, yes. So we'll see when we release this podcast, but I think in a couple, yeah, there couple will be. of weeks or days you can can look out where you can where you will get the, the CD which It's released under the the label um, Berlin Classics, Edel. Classic. And it's um, preceded by I think three uh, single releases starting on let me think April 8th. I think it's the first release or April 9th. And then we have three dates for different single releases, and at the end of May we'll have the whole album out. Out, and will it be on on also the the, the, the streaming platforms like yeah, of course, of course, but, but on, on all, on all, yeah, on all yeah, yeah. That, that's really great, yeah. yeah. And it's it's beautiful. We have a great artwork, and it has been fun to create all this. And mm, yes. uh, we've been playing the program a lot, stopped by Corona, of course. And um, now we postponed a little bit our homage to Beethoven, basically by one year. But I think that's fine. And um, yes, we also arranged music by Beethoven, which was really great. So we play the fourth cello sonata as our only original piece, mm -hmm. and then we have the piano sonata opus 110, uh, the adagio dolente in a version for cello and piano, which we made, mm. and. Uh, Of course, a song, which you don't really have to arrange, uh, Adelaide from Opus uh, 47. Hmm. And the Cavatina also, uh, the Cavatina from the String Quartet, Opus 130. Okay. So, yeah, that was fun also to cast another light on Beethoven's music and to hmm. include other spheres than just cello piano. Um, so it was a very a wide span uh, view of Beethoven and, and the different influences he had and He, he cast it and, and, and the reaction to this and how other people similarly um, were creative, you know, by, by, by being on, on one hand, very provocative and revolutionary and disturbing. And on the other hand, becoming total mainstream, becoming icons. Everyone knows Jimi Hendrix and everyone yeah. loves David Bowie, but little people knew that he, He experimented so much and in the beginning of his career, he wasn't at all successful. And he was, he, he was really very creative and artistic and always pushed the borders and, uh, yeah, just a very interesting personality. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. I, I'm really, I'm really curious, uh, to, to hear the, the CDs. I, I love all your previous uh, CDs. They're, uh, really, really great. And I, I still, I know the recording so well from um, Libertango. Uh, not Libertango. <laughs> no, Libertango. Libertango. Yeah, because you do. You also do. Is it imp um, you improvise? You you do some small like to the melody. You improvise a little bit. Yeah, and it's really nice. Yeah, uh, it's uh, like I, I stole a little bit from it. Uh, I can't <laughs> <can> spoil. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome to. It's so funny because I think that's that's. Part of the beauty, that's part of the beauty of this, uh, you know, tran transitory, um, how should I say, it? Um, the transition of 
of arts and knowledge in the popular music because it's not written down. So, you know, you take something someone else has played and then you, uh, you kind of adapt it and then you, maybe you change it a little bit on your way. Mm. And that's exactly what we did. Of course, we, of course, we uh, imitated many people that we listened to in the beginning and then we started to uh, make our own little variations and improvisations in, in tango style out of it. And the other day I was <laughs> stumbling over a version of Libertango in the internet on YouTube. And it was a duo from, I don't know, Taiwan or, um, I think, or Korea, I forgot. And they played exactly our version. And it was so great to hear these people just play it. And I'm like, wow, that's so great. And I didn't even write it down. We never, we never penciled it. There's no, yeah. no written version of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, if anyone out there made a, a script, uh, I'm really happy to get my, my version once written down. So I would love to, to have it once. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's an issue. What I also have, um, a lot of people ask me, oh, do you have a score of that, uh, composition or that? And normally I don't have because <laughs> it's always like improvisation and, uh, um, it's uh, always changing, uh, But at least, I don't know if you know my piece, Cello Blues, finally, like after 15 years, I, I wrote it down. I love it, by the way. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I can, yeah. I can set you the score. I, oh, uh, great. Yeah. It's all clean now, even with fingering and um, uh, everything. So uh, would, would love uh, to hear your version of it because it's totally open for... Yeah, you can, oh, great. You yeah. can do whatever you like it. with it, you know, like <laughs> make, uh, play it the other way around or whatever. <laughs> I would love, love to hear. Okay, so. fantastic. I, I'm looking forward to this. I was going to ask you if, you if you have it written down or if you just, you know, sort of played some of the pieces we have sketched. We, mm -hmm. we have like a, a rough lining of what we do, but it's not at all elaborate. Mm. And uh, some of the pieces we don't have at all. So I was wondering, with with blues, it's even more free. Yeah, with jazz, it's even more tango. free, and and um, yeah, somehow on in classical music because yeah, the, the the thing is, it's quite easier to improvise when the the chord pattern there's always a repetition, and and in classical music, yeah. the music, the the chords are always developing it's always development so it's always changing so so much but still yeah still you can can improvise uh on it but uh yeah um it's a different different style i feel like i i wonder if we not could have one classical music composition where you just say also to your to the students like okay now we have this piece of music And instead of playing um, uh, the melody, how it's written, please improvise in the, in wow. the classical that, way. That would be great. A, yeah. a good friend of mine, actually, he's a, he's a composer and jazz cellist. His name is Lucio Amanti. I don't know if you know of him or know his music. Uh -huh. uh, it's, re it's really very nice. Uh, and I played a lot of his stuff. And he's also pushing the borders between, you know, stuff that is really written down and stuff that you just improvise in the moment mm. and i think that is an art that got lost it was there once like if you totally. think of baroque music and the cadenzas and all that and then it sort of got lost and um for me 
if if I manage just for myself in my kitchen uh, <laughs> in the middle of the night with a, with a glass of whiskey to improvise a little bit just for myself mm. and like th three seconds or ten seconds turn out really nice yeah. and um, this is such a feeling of liberty and and uh, satisfaction somehow yeah. For me, one of the most pure feelings uh, of music making I can get, mm. but I'm still far, far, far from being able to really do it. But, but I think it's so important to regain the courage and the freedom just to try. Mm. Yes, yes, and um, I remember in my in my studies we had uh, improvisation class actually. But it was not. It was, was also kind of fun. But it was in this direction more of really um, uh, uh, modern classic, like like you know avant garde, like that you yeah um, yeah you you play so openly that it's also kind of fun. But to be honest, I would not like to, to, to listen to it <laughs> if I'm. Uh, if if people like this really improvise in a in a uh, yeah in a such way, I uh, for me so it's just my my personal opinion. But I feel like always this kind of music is l limited to to express feelings like like love or joy. Um, that's that's the issue. What I see with with this kind of music, um, uh, I I agree totally, and I think. Um, Everyone has their own way of judging music or putting preferences into music. But for me, the far most important thing about music is that you get deeply touched emotionally. Like I want to go into a movie theater and see a film, which, which is great. Uh, But it shouldn't just entertain me. It, it of course, it, it should also entertain me. Yeah. But I want to go out and have it in my mind, in my heart for another week. And, you know, I want to go through all the feelings of being sad, of being happy, of being curious. And, and then I think it's a great film somehow. Yes. Um, if I remember it and I, I keep thinking about it and maybe some things I'm not totally sure about mm. and it, they disturb me, but then also charm me and, and they give me goosebumps and shivers and make me dream. And I think all this is supposed to be the, 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 the sense of, mm. of a great concert, of a great performance and of also of a great musical piece. That's what, what I'm looking for. And of course, I love, I love pieces that are, you know, w very well written, well constructed, amazingly complex and uh, intellectually demanding. Mm. Um, and uh, of course, that's also a very important criteria. But in the end of the day, it should really, you know, touch your heart and your soul in a deep way and, mm. and, and give, give you something emotional to chew on for a certain time. Right. Yeah. Totally, totally agree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's so true. So um, I just I just have to ask a question because I'm so curious. What, or maybe what are you also uh, telling your your students? Like, because um, to compete in that classical world as a musician, it's even now, of course, in these days, um, it's it's really it's really tough. Uh, 
also a, a string quartet. I, now nowadays, how many string quartets are out there? Like, what what advice advice you can share, and what do you think? What what made you 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 so ex successful as a quartet player and also ch cellist? What do you think? What what did you do different? Maybe or mm -hmm. what is your secret to to success? Oh my God. <laughs> That's a very <laughs> I won't tell you. No, <laughs> if I knew, if I knew. Um, that's a very, very um, difficult question. Um, and it, it has many parts, your question. I'll try to go to the first part of the question, considering competitions and, and my students. Mm. Um, it's interesting because I just am or was on the jury of an online competition, mm. um, and uh, which, which is fun. And it's very interesting to to see uh, all these chamber groups. It's a chamber music competition with with uh, even winds and string trio, uh, mm. piano trio and string quartet and uh, saxophone quartet and everything. And um, it's not easy to judge all this. And I had like 30 groups and I had to make a choice and it's really hard. So of course I wrote everything down and I tried to make a, a very objective system and uh, be fair and uh, you know listen to everything twice and and then see if i if i wasn't too 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 hard in the beginning of the judgment and getting more uh you know forgiving through, through the end of the competition or vice versa so you know i was really very focused and then in the end of the day i realized that i remember the groups that told me a story that really spoke had something to say and uh, I mean not what they wanted to say but what they think the composer wanted to say of course mm. but it's like it's like speaking it's like you know telling a story mm. and uh, making you listen and um, as I said in the beginning it's so interesting people think about intonation and but we don't really get what they want to say mm. and other people you know tell you a great story but they play slightly out of tune it's, 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 the timing is more important than intonation in this case and the groove also. You can, you can commu communicate a musical message. If you have the right groove, yeah. it's going to be clear. You know, if you want to get enthusiastic, of course, you're going to talk fast and you're going to, you're going to heat up. Mm. Uh, if you stay in time and no one's going to believe you that you're getting enthusiastic, you know, mm. so, you know, this is like a rhetoric timing thing that you need to imply. But if you heat up and play a little bit out of tune, people will still understand what you want to say. Mm. So um, this is just an excursion to, to say that I think it's so important to have a clear idea of what you want to communicate while you're playing and of um, putting it into action, communicating what you want to communicate while you're playing and don't care about technical things of course they have to be there sort of you know mm. it's 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 required but it's not a goal mm. and um and so um what what strikes me often is that it's very easy or no it's not very easy but it's much way easier to play um passionate and dramatic 
right. you know, or, or, or fast and virtuoso right. and, and, you know, to nail down a Shostak College drama piece, you know, is not so difficult. But to play a very beautiful, sunny Haydn tune is really difficult. Yes. And, you know, the, the love and the sunshine to bring that out is, of, is often underrated. And um, I see great groups that play wonderful, wonderful, wonderful interpretations, but they're often focused on the drama and on the, you know, serious face and, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it, it has the, the disadvantage that you get used to the drama and the drama becomes a little bit inflationary. Mm -hmm. And when you really need it, in the end of the piece, the combination, it doesn't have the same effect because you never showed the love and the sun mm. or, or not, not enough, maybe not never, but, but you didn't put enough focus on also letting the public breathe, also letting the public smile, mm. you know, and giving it th this. Um, so it, it's interesting that, that most of the musicians, um, don't have a problem in being dramatic. Mm. But, but if it's loving and sunny, it, it seems harder <laughs> to, yeah. to transport. So that's an issue that's quite important to me. Also listening to, to uh, people in, in the competition. That's just what I realized. So I remember the groups that, that gave me moments of, of poetry, moments of dream, moments of blue sky. And I was like, wow, oh, that's so beautiful. And then of course it can become dramatic again. And, 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 you know, and, smashing chords I, I i love it too but uh there needs to be this contrast and i think that's something that um people can uh, easily focus on but for some reason maybe also because they care about technical perfection because they're concentrated because they want to play together and all these high demands yeah. uh, in in high standard chamber music come that you rather focus on being serious and concentrated because you're playing a very important classical piece uh Instead of just letting it breathe and pretending, you know, it was an improvisation of a moment. Yeah. 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 I, I think as a musician, because we, we have to practice so much and, and, uh, we have always, we always have to, uh, problems to solve. Uh, especially, of course, if you're still in the beginning, if you're a student, uh, sometimes you're forgetting that actually the music you're playing is for for an audience <laughs> that's a very very good point that's a very good point and especially in chair music um it's it's so important because um because you have to know who should be in focus and who should not be in focus and 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 you know what function you're you're playing in mm. uh you know are you are you Are you just playing har harmonies? Then you can, then you can play really in the background. Are you important for the groove? Are you the, the, you know, drum set, sort of, so to speak? Mm. Then you really have to also support and give impulses. And, and if you lean back, oh my God, you're gonna, you're gonna harm the whole result. Right. And, you know, it's not only the melody guy that needs to be in focus. So, um, And the thing is that you can hear all of this on your chair very well, but you don't hear anything of this in the hall. Hmm. And if you play a solo sonata, it doesn't matter. 
because there's no one bothering you. You're just alone. You can play a little soft or loud, but everyone basically will hear you. Mm. But if you play within an ensemble with other voices kind of interfering with what you're doing, then you have to really know if you need to put something into focus or take it out of the focus. And, and, and this is something I think uh, is very important. The awareness mm. of, of, of what gets across the hall, you know, like a painter yes. of, a, of a church painting a huge fresco under the cupola and he's going to lie probably flat on his back on a, on a, on a board, uh, you know, an arm length away of what he's drawing. Mm. And he's going to draw an eye that looks, that's about that size. Yeah. And he's going to see it from very close. And it's not at all going to look like an eye from where he, he's drawing it. But he knows that like 20 meters below him, it has to look like an eye. Mm. And, and this is something similar to performing in a hall, especially performing chamber music, even more especially performing string quartet because the strings eat each other's sound up all the time, mm. much more than a wind quintet. But um, so you have to kind of transform your ear into the audience and play differently from what you hear on your chair. And, and this, is, this is one of the hardest things to learn and because it's hard to practice when you play at home. Of course, you, you play what you hear yeah. and it's hard to play differently than from what you hear. Right. And yes, and um, I, I can also can, can imagine. I just remember the times when I had a, a lot of concerts um, and I played nearly always the same repertoire. And I, I learned so much. I, I learned the most actually in that mm -hmm. times where I, I repeatedly played the same and the same in different halls. Uh, and and then I really realized exactly what you already said, that on on stage you have, yeah, like an actor, uh, you, you have Everything, ha everything has to be bigger. Even the pianos have to be more, pi more pianos, more exactly. piano, and and the fodder have to be more fodder. Uh, so it's really exactly. Yeah. It's 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 all about rhetorics. And and if you're sitting in a kitchen table talking to someone like maybe we, also we two here, of course we don't have to articulate uh, so, so uh, exaggeratedly. Hmm. But if you're talking to someone that's standing 20 meters away, he won't understand a word if you talk like we just talk. Right. Yeah, that, that's true. And uh, with the quartet, we were fortunate also to play these pieces like 30 times a season, mm. one piece. So by the end of the season, <laughs> we really knew the piece. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, do you, uh, for example, um, probably, you know, um, Uh, vision, the vision uh, string quartet. So, they're my students. So, I know them very well. Yeah, they're great. They're amazing. So they, um, do you do you know? Do you think they can keep up with? Um, so of course now we have the pandemic, but they play everything uh, with without score. So yeah, that's amazing. I I uh, admire that so much. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's something you can train. Uh, of course, the more you do it, the more you get used to it. And the less you do it, the less you get used to it. And, um, but it, it's totally amazing. And um, especially in the inner voices, I think the first violin part, uh, maybe even a bass line is, is still easier than harmony voices uh, or rhythm voices uh, in inner, inner voices just to learn them by heart. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm totally amazed and totally impressed by, by, by their playing in general, but, but also by the fact that they play by heart. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really something what you can train. I um, I did the same thing uh, with um, my cello quartet. Um, at, um, and we... Um, and I never did this before, actually, to play by heart in a quartet. And uh, because it's and it's much more difficult. It's much more difficult than to to learn, um, yeah, yeah, a cello concerto, because you have always the melody, and it's yeah. easy to remember. But in a quartet, you have the bass line uh, sometimes, or you are in the, the, the middle voice, and that's really difficult to remember. It's, uh, it's uh, so, yeah, it's it's not. Uh, not easy, but I I think that's something um, really great um, a really great tool to to have just better connection to the audience because you don't have the, mm -hmm. the score in front mm -hmm. of you mm -hmm. and sometimes yeah it it can help or or not if you if you're too stressed out because of remembering what you have to actually have to, to play um, absolutely I, I also experienced the other the other uh, the way around way around I heard a quartet that played by heart mm. um, and I was very curious to see how that works mm. and I was totally stressed the whole concert for them because they started, they were playing like in a memorizing way. Everyone was very focused on their voice and it sort of reduced the communication, then opening it up and everyone, you know, was crawling into their memory instead of uh, being on air and, and radiating something to the audience. Yeah. And that was the opposite effect. But the, the visions are not that way. Absolutely yeah. not. No, I, I know them also. It's uh, great. I also love the the last uh, video YouTube videos they published. Um, and they I, and I love their I love their. We were talking about this. Their sense of groove is amazing. Yes, and because of course they also play pop popular music and they they arrange and compose and make their own pieces and they're very creative. But uh, you can feel in their classical music that they have a sense of, of groove. Yeah. And, and this is so helpful and so important and, and makes their music, uh, their, also their classical music very lively and gives, gives them, gives it another dimension. Yeah, totally. So Eckert, you, you have achieved so much in the world of classical music and I'm wondering what dreams do you still have? <laughs> so many. So many. I mean, uh, I need another life. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> I wish that the day had 30 hours and uh, I did, wouldn't have to have to sleep at all. <laughs> but um, 
But uh, yeah, there are so many dreams. One of them I already said, I would love to learn jazz. I would love to learn how to improvise, uh, not just a bit, but really. Mm. But this is something that demands so much time. Um, and then, you know, to be honest, I played many string quartets, yeah. uh, probably most of them, but there's so much great jamming music, which I never played. I mean, I taught it and I know it by hearing, but physically playing it on a stage, I didn't do because uh, in my active days as a quartet musician, I refused to play jamming music festivals when I was invited. Or I, 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 you know, I said, no, I don't want to do it because in my free time, I didn't want to basically do the same thing like in a season, play chamber music again. Of course. I wanted to, you know, spend it either with my family or, or invest into my arrangements with Jacques and uh, this, this, um, part of my life. Mm. So I basically always refused to accept, uh, invitations to chamber music festivals, which resulted in the fact that many piano trios or piano quartets or, you know, big pieces, I haven't physically really performed and yeah. uh, now I'm starting to, to, um, recuperate that mm -hmm. slowly, but there's, there's a lot, so much to do and, um, so much to learn. And this is probably also the reason why I took the decision to, uh, to change my life and not, not to continue yeah. playing in a quartet yeah. for another decade. Mm. Um, because there were so many things I wanted to discover and, and mm. uh, learn. And so my, my drawers are full of wishes and ideas. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, um, I think there's nothing, nothing more sad to see a, a, a human being who doesn't have any dreams. So that's what drives us. It's so, so important. To have. That's, that's so important and, and, um, you know, I think that's the essence of, of, of being an artist in a, in a certain way mm. to me. And, um, of course, it's also nice to have a, a field, a zone where you know what you're doing, <laughs> where, you know, and, and, um, I, I, you know, it's, I love playing string quartet and, um, it's, it never became boring to me to play string quartets. It didn't also become boring, not even to play a piece I know so well, like let's say 59 number one or, or basically every Beethoven quartet or death in the main or, you know, the big pieces. And I, I'm sure I've played them like a hundred times on stage or maybe some even more. Mm. And every time it's great again. So it's not that I'm sick of it or fed up with it. But just preparing it all the time, so time consuming that you have basically only a tiny fraction to do other things. And, um, uh, that, that's, that's why it was important for me to, to, you know, to start to realize other dreams after the quartet dream. Yes. Yeah. But you also could imagine to, 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 Because I feel like you, you're more kind of the person who really love playing with other musicians together. And, uh, but you could also imagine yourself uh, touring around as a solo cellist, uh, most of the time playing a concert all the time with, with orchestra as a soloist. Is that also a dream you have or, or not so much or? Um, I think it's part of a, it's part of a big picture. 
um, I'm not dreaming of playing uh, the Elgar and the Dvorak Concerto and the Rococo Variations yeah. as much as I can with orchestras, really. Yeah. Because I think also there are so many great cellists out there that, that, that do that in a fantastic way. And I don't see what I should contribute. That will be so much, you know, worth hearing mm. <laughs> with what they cannot do. So I think this field is so, so greatly covered already. I mean, I'm always happy to play at Dvorak. And if, if, if I can, if, if I can jump in, I'm happy to do that, but that's not something on my menu at all. Yeah. Um, not something I really would like to invest, um, time in. But of course, there are concertos in the range between the genres that, that, that are really tempting, sort of like Kapustin, yes. uh, or yeah, Gulda, of course, is, is very, um, well known and a total classic of the repertoire on mm. cellos. It's not nothing exotic anymore, but, but let's say something like this or the, there's a great cello concerto by John Williams. Yes. And, um, you know, so I think there, uh, there's a fantastic cello concerto by, um, Daniel Schneider, who's a, you know, Daniel Schneider. He's a yeah. great jazz, uh, saxophonist, uh, Swiss, but New York based. Okay. Wow. Well, uh, I have to listen and, to that. Yeah. And I think, I think this is a field where, where I, where I do feel I can contribute something which, which hasn't been done yet and which kind of makes sense to, to, to really invest. And uh, so I would love to do that more. Um, uh, but it's also a piece of the picture. And, and basically I don't see myself as a touring soloist just playing with orchestras. I, I love, yes. I love chamber music. Yes. It's a, it's a, a, a mix is always, always, always good to have also. Um, uh, once I realized like, uh, because I have my two brothers, um, we, we playing, uh, some, some concerts, uh, together. I Normally. know your trio. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. I know your trio. <laughs> yeah, it's a brother, brother, family. If, uh, actually our tour program also called, uh, family clash. So I know, I, I know that video. It's really cool. <laughs> yes. So, um, Yeah, I can tell you another another um, challenge to 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 tour with your brothers, um, but <laughs> I, most of the time actually we uh, everybody, uh, um, yeah, we are not try to kill each other. So, <laughs> but, um, uh, yes. So uh, I forgot what I wanted to say. Um, yeah, no. When when we are touring, or uh, then sometimes I'm missing times, or to be more alone by myself. Uh, to to, uh, or yeah. So it's um, what for me personally, I also like love to have this um, mix of different genres to different. Uh, not it doesn't have to be all to jazz, but just um, the variety of different music to to discover and maybe to be the first one or uh, at least the second uh, to discover something new that's i think so so um great um sometimes yeah too i think if you um play with orchestra which which i didn't do so many times uh, in the last years just occasionally before the quartet started i did it more often in the beginning of my studies mm. But uh, I always uh, had the feeling, also now with the Kapustian Schnitke recording, that it's also chamber music. It's also playing with other music. Uh, I'm sorry. It's also playing with other musicians and communicating with musicians and a conductor. And uh, so um, I wouldn't feel lonely um, 
if I would tour with an orchestra, I think it would be fun also yeah. in a certain way. And uh, I love the different aspects of psychological, um, how do you say, s social surroundings. Like, you know, if you're on a festival, you see the same people every day and you have a very intense time, like for a week or two. And there's this kind of atmosphere and there's something very, um, um, like a community that, that grows and, and it becomes very intense. Yeah. And, um, if you, if you, you know, play, um, with people you don't know, uh, and just, just come there for a couple of rehearsals and play a concert, there's a, a more superficial, of course, exchange of ideas. You don't have the time to really get so much into detail with, with every member, but, but some of the faces are really nice to you. They smile to you mm. and, and you have a little chat on the hallway and it's, it's another chemistry of contact, which I also really like. And there are always so many people in orchestras, which I maybe know from before, from my studies, which I meet again, or, you know, your paths crossed somewhere else and you get to meet each, each other again. And I've been experimenting with the idea of creating a, a complete solo program um, where I'm totally alone mm -hmm. because, uh, musically it, it, it scares me a little bit because, uh, you know, it's, it's like so difficult to, to just be completely alone on stage and have everything you do in your own hand. Um, but I also find it very challenging and, um, exciting to, to experience this solitude of socialness as a musician, mm. you know, you know, not, no one, to exchange ideas with no one that can inspire you just totally by yourself. Because like in, in, in private life, I can enjoy that a lot being alone. I, I'm not a person that always needs company. I, yeah. I love quietness. Yeah. Yeah. I think no it's a talks. musician thing. We love, we love a quietness. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really, great. it's really like that. Yeah. <laughs> my, my so, girlfriend, she, she's just, she never yeah. can understand. Like we are in the new hotel room or Airbnb or whatever. And then uh, I'm trying to sleep and then there's just a really tiny noise, like really, really just from the, the uh, fridge. Yeah. Oh, I hate fridge noises. I have, to, yeah. I have to turn it off. I you take the plug out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't, I don't, uh, for me, even if the, the, the food will be the next day, maybe. No, uh, of course not then, but I, there's, I will adjust the setting like to, to one, uh, instead of six or seven, I don't know, whatever. Um, so, um, no, I take the plug out. You take the plug out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I take the plug out because you know, it always goes on and off and you never know when it goes yes, on and when exactly, it goes off. Exactly. It's, it's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> I put a towel underneath yeah. in case, just yeah. in case. Yeah. And, and to remind me to put the plug back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. the trick. I can understand that so well. Yeah, yeah, there have to be other um, uh, stuff because you you have been in so many hotel rooms and so so I can remember oh, yeah. remember some routines you have, right? Yeah. Oh my god, I they they always laughed at me. My quartet always laughed at me because <laughs> five minutes later I would be down in the reception changing the hotel room, um, because. It, it's not that difficult. The only thing I want in a hotel room is to sleep. Yeah. I don't need a mini bar. I would don't wouldn't even need a TV. Yeah. Uh, I don't need a nice view, and I just need a functioning room which is quiet when I want to sleep. That's all. Yeah. But somehow that seems difficult. 
you know, they have this fancy hotel and then they have an ice machine on the, on the corridor and then a fancy elevator with a bing right next to your room yes. and whatever there can oh, be. Oh, the, the uh, air condition. Yeah, air conditions. There are so many hotels with, with uh, no, no quiet air conditions. It's a classic. You, you, cannot, you cannot control them because it's for the whole uh, system there. So. Exactly. It's a total classic. And um, so um, I have developed certain techniques to make hotel rooms quiet and dark. <laughs> I like also windows that, that, you know, curtains that close. Ah, yes. You know, have you experienced the fact that hotel room curtains are always too short? When you, yes. when you close them in the middle, they have a gap on the side. I don't know why, That's why true. they save, uh, they save money, uh, money <laughs> they save making money. them a little too short. Yes. <laughs> anyway, it's so funny. And so I, I used to develop huge techniques to get these hotel rooms dark and uh, it was very funny. But, um, I think my peak of capriciousness is, is going back down and getting a little more normal and can also sleep if it's a little loud or if it's a little light. But when I was on tour, I also used to be annoyed about, about that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I also like to change sometimes the hotel room because of- It just has to be quiet. Yeah. Actually, I like, I like chains where you know what you get. Like, uh, you know, these hotel chains. Um, some hotels, they have this um, advertisement We have individually custom rooms. Every room is different. <laughs> Come visit us and like, oh no, I don't <laughs> want that. <laughs> I want to know in what kind of a room yeah. I'm going in. So I just have my quietness when I shut the door, just peace. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's funny. But it's not it's not tourism, of course. It it can be fun if you're if you're a tourist. If you have another perspective, then it's something different. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, Eckhart, um, once again, thank you so much. Uh, was really uh, a great talk. And maybe you have anything else you want uh, we missed to talk about, or any questions um, you would like to talk about. If not, uh, let me think. No, I think we covered so many, so many fun things. things, and of course we could go on for hours. Yeah, we could, and I, I would love maybe in. Uh, six months or in one year who knows we, we uh, would love to repeat that with you uh, because there okay and by that time we might be able to sit in the same room yes <laughs> exactly who knows and then we'll have a drink to that yes that that would be so nice uh, to have so well it was also a great pleasure for me to talk with you I think uh, our one or two hours passed like so fast yeah exactly And that's the way it's how, how it have to be. And um, yeah, I learned so much from, 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 from your talks. And uh, thank you for that. This was the Wondercello podcast. This audio podcast is also available as a video podcast on YouTube. If you like to see us in person there, you will also find a lot of other great video content. Make sure to tune into weekly episodes. Thanks for listening.